You're listening to audio from Grove Park Baptist Church. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.groveparkchurch.net. The scripture lesson comes from Matthew chapter 16, beginning at 13 and going through the 20th verses. This is Peter's declaration of Jesus. Matthew 16. Verses 13 through 20. I'm writing, I'm reading from a new revised standard version. And it reads, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah or others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but the Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. May the blessings of this word sink into our hearts. I want to use for a subject uh, the ideal church. Because in these days, in this 21st century, I'm raising a question about what should the ideal church look like. Many of us think we're already in it. Oh, my church is the best, and I think we ought to be grateful for the church that we're in and say that it's a good church. But I was talking to a couple recently who had come to the church, and they said, uh, you know, we're having trouble in our church, and... um, and we were thinking about coming here, and I, I quickly said to him, now, this is not heaven here. I wanted them to know that this is a good church, but not the perfect church. And some people are looking for the ideal church being the perfect church. I think about revival, for instance, as we think about how it used to be when I came up in my church. Revival was a time when when the church gathered to save souls. Folks came, and uh, Mark and I were talking about it. He said he didn't want to sit on the front bench because in my church, when I was growing up, the front bench was for the mourners, for the sinners. And they would, in fact, even bring you up and And uh, I think some folks probably just confessed the Lord just to get off the front bench. Well, in those days, there were sinners, and I don't find sinners in the church these days or in the community. There's sometimes the unchurched 
or those who don't come to church. But, but uh, you know, I don't find many sinners around. So as we talk about revival, revival has changed its tone in some ways as to what does it mean. And I, uh, I think about churches where, uh, in fact, when we talk about the ideal church, many of us wouldn't mind having uh, in our church just a few more folks like me to help pay the bills. Now, we can already run it without them, so we don't want them running it. Just, just come, you know, look like me, act like me, and, and help us pay the bills, and we'll be fine. And, and that's what many of us look for. As I've gone over the country doing uh, church evangelism, church ministry, church leadership, church development, never have I run across a church that did not say they wanted to grow. Every church I've ever talked to have said that. They want to grow. But, but as I say, they want a few more folk like us. We don't look at what does it mean to grow. And in fact, I... Uh, I had a church some time ago that, that uh, we hadn't grown in a while. That church hadn't, and I came there as a young, energetic pastor. And I said, we can grow. And so as it turned out, the church started to grow, but it started to grow with folk that wasn't like us. And after a while, it wasn't long that the members decided, you know, we better run them off before they get too comfortable here because they're not like us. They, they... And when, when they decided that, they were too late because the folk had already gotten comfortable. And it changed the life of that church forever, but it also changed the life of that church for the better. Because many of us get comfortable in, in church. Because we, we look for the ideal church. Uh, you, you, you know, we, we want good members like me, good paying members who regularly attend. Uh, that's, that's what I'm looking for, some, some, some good members that regularly do that, and they do what the pastor says. And we want an ideal pastor, one who has been, he, he ought to be, uh, he, you know, many of us don't think a woman can preach. I ought to be 40 years old with 35 years of experience. And preach 15 or 20 minutes, that'd be enough. That's all I need. I don't need a salary. I want them to live on earth but board in heaven. And a preacher that does not have any problems but can handle mine. That, that would be kind of the ideal preacher I'm looking for. And, and, and many of us are looking for the ideal church that's big enough to have plenty of members but small enough so I can know everybody. And a church where everybody gets along. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice to be in that kind of church where no one is kin, but everybody acts like they're cousins. Yeah, that would be a nice kind of church. And, and many of us, uh, as we look, uh, when we talk about a church, we tend to talk about our church, which also then closes the door as to who can come. When Jesus talked in Matthew chapter 13, or chapter 11, he said, Come all of ye that are burdened 
and heavy laden. He didn't, he didn't put qualifications on what they look like, who they are, where they came from. He says, come. Come and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me. There is a cost to it. There is a yoke and take that upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly at heart. Well, Jesus also tells us as he deals with this passage in Matthew, when Peter began to say, when he asked the disciples who the folks say that I am. Every once in a while, I, I get the nerve up to ask my folk, what are folks saying about me? You ever go around and ask, what are folks saying about Grove Park? What are they saying about you? What kind of image do you have in the community? I, I look around and ask every once in a while, I, and especially to a person who doesn't know me, I ask, what, what, what do you think of Union Chapel? and to see what kind of image you have. Because sometimes we've created images, whether intentional or not, that may turn people away. And if so, we have to create a new image because if we are concerned about what Jesus wanted us to be concerned with, he asked Peter, Peter, who do you say that I am? And, and Peter said, you are the Christ. And when when we determine that Christ is the head, that Christ is the one who leads us, that we find ourselves asking some different questions, we find ourselves voting in meetings in a different way when we start asking, what does Jesus want? We sometimes ask, what do we want? What I want in this church, what, what uh, certain ones want, and and oftentimes, many churches have failed because we get caught up in what the folks want or what they even think they want rather than what Jesus wants us to have. You are the Christ. I, I find that true with folks dating and courting. The, the first thing that folks ask me if, I, if they ask me about someone, what they look like? rather than what is their character and what kind of person is this. And oftentimes in the church, we get caught up in the minor things when we are looking for folks because I, I find that, that the easiest way to deal with the folks in the church that you don't particularly want is don't get them here to start with. And so too many churches are willing to sit where we are and to let folks pass by rather than reaching out and saying, we know the Christ, the son of the living God who leads me and ought to lead you. And if Christ leads you and leads me, then somehow we can walk together because Christ is the one who's leading us. See, many of us are out of step with one another because we are caught up in the notion of, of moving the way we want to move. Peter, what you said 
matters. You are, are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, now I noticed that many folks, I've been in some places where they said Peter was the rock. His name actually meant rock, but Peter wasn't the rock for the church. The rock for the church is Jesus, the cornerstone that is laid. And I don't lay bricks, but I know how to lay a cornerstone because the cornerstone is Jesus, and I know how to lay him in my life. And if you, you know how to do that, he'll show you how to do that, to lay Jesus in the corner with. See, if you're building a house, you know what I've learned about that, I'm not a professional, but what I have learned and what I've watched and, and even done a time or two is, if you're gonna build a house, if you're going to build a shed, you have to pick a corner and work from that corner and everything else is laid out according to that corner. I, uh, I, I tried that one time. I was, had this building that, that was the well house, that house out in the country and, and it cracked and, and it began to break apart and I figured I could fix it and I did. But uh, I left the corners up there, and some of them were leaning when I was fixing them. And when I finished, they were leaning even more. Because I, if I wanted a building like it should have been built, I would have broken that down and started all over. But I tried to take something that was already broken and make it out of something that wasn't broken. And many times, we take our lives that's already broken and we try to fix them to make them look like they should when Christ is the cornerstone, Christ is the head, Christ is the, the chief one who can straighten that. And so I look at him and say, you are the Christ, the son of a living God. And he says to me that upon this rock, I will build my church, my church. Not, not Irvin's church, not Mark's church, not your church, but Christ's church. And so as I look, I, I find myself asking that WWJD, what does Jesus do? Or what would Jesus do? As I look at the church and as I look at the opportunity to, to build and to rise, you have to have a good foundation. But you know what I found? Uh, there's this company, I've never tried them, but I think they work. They, they, uh, they advertise on television that, that you might have a cornerstone, you might have a house with a basement in it that's leaking and, and water's coming in it and all, but, but they tell me that they know how to go in beyond what's already there and make it waterproof and make it so that it holds like it should. Well, that's what Christ can do for us. Those of us who have been on the road a long time and sometimes you get a little shaggy. One of the songs they said said, I've, I've at times strayed from God. And, and many of us have wandered from God from time to time. When we start going the way we think we ought to go, 
and look back and say, I'm off track. God is the best GPS that I know. You, you, those of you that got your phones and your cars and all, and you want to go somewhere, you put in the GPS where you're going, and I've done it more than once and miss a road. And, and I said, if that lady was like some folks that I know, she'd say, yo, rascal, why didn't you turn around? I told you not to go that way. But, but that voice gently says, uh, turn right at the next place, at the next street. Turn left at the next street. And gently gets you back on track to where you need to be. That's what God does for us. When we have wandered, when we are wanting to rise and can't because we don't have the foundation we need, God is gently saying to you, I can fix that. And all we need to do is but listen for the voice of God. In our lives, in our community, in our church, and in our family. May the Lord bless you is my prayer.